0: Right, we are going to spend the next couple of weeks looking ultimately what we see as know to be the Christmas story. Uh, we're going to do this on Wednesday as well as Sunday. We will look at the prophecies that were fulfilled. We'll open up the Bible for a deeper insight into the purposes of his birth, his life, his resurrection, and bodily ascension. So I'm looking forward to it. We're going to come back to 1 Corinthians 15. You're right at the first of the year, of course. But today, we're going to look at a response to God. A magnificent declaration from a child of God that believed God and seen the genuine work of God in their life. We're going to consider a young teenage girl named Mary. So if you want to turn with me to Luke, Chapter 1. I'll give a little intro if, if, if so. We can, we're going to be in a, in a little further down the chapter, but as we look at that content, we'll center in on, I want to help set the context so you can see kind of how things are because we start in the middle of the chapter. So if we look specifically at Luke 1, um, verse 28, it speaks of a time when Mary, who she's She's engaged. She betrothed to a man named Joseph. And so she's she's at home. And, and then this, this angel shows up, Gabriel. But it says in verse 28 of, of Mary and, and Gabriel's visiting, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And that is you know, a very unique declaration to this individual, because definitely she is um, the only woman in all of history to be chosen by God to bring forth the Messiah. As we sang in that song, what 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 a perplexing thing, this plan of God. That he would choose to inhabit humanity, to set aside who he, who where he was in heaven, and to inhabit humanity in such a humble, mind boggling way, and, and then to come in that manner to choose a woman, a, a, a teenager, who will be a teen mom in a culture that didn't accept that, and and, and to, to come and, and Mary was highly favored. He says, rejoice. Also, we know the Lord, she says, the Lord is with you. The angel's just encouraging her. He hasn't said what's going to happen yet. He just says, brace yourself. And then he later tells her what God is going to do and that she would be the maiden, the, the young woman, that the Jewish women all longed to be, that sought God and knew the, the plan of redemption or at least knew the prophecies concerning the coming Messiah Every young woman wanted to be that woman. It would be a wonderful thing to be. Well, she's going to be the one. And so as we go through this, I want to make sure that we we catch the history, we contemplate the depth of the relationship with God and individuals, but we also apply it. We, We pull those principles and truths that can be applied to our own lives. And there's three things right here that can be applied to your life. Rejoice, highly favored one. You're not married to, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you are who you are. You're 2,000 years removed since the, the beautiful work of God through Jesus Christ and his, his human life. But you are favored, looked upon by God as His child. And, and the world around you um, just comes at you and says different things about you. But you, you have to realize, rejoice, you're highly favored by God. He died for your sins. He literally came as a man, lived a sinless life, laid down his life as a p- payment for your sins. I know you can say the sins of the world, but I'll, I'll tell you, if you know the heart of God and the nature of God and the ways of God, you would have to agree that if there was one human on the earth, he would have done the same thing. If there's only one sinner that need to be saved. He would have still saved that one person. That one person you have to see is you. It is me. It's collectively individuals that he has highly favored. He literally says, I offer you eternal life. I offer you new hope. God is basically saying, I long to, to share this with you. Not only do we see that you and I also, different than Mary, but the principle still remains, we're highly favored. We also see that the Lord is with you. What does that feel like? I don't know. I really don't know what it feels like. I can muster up and I can associate the circumstances and I can kind of connect with certain experiences. Oh, that's what it's like. But it's not just that. The Lord is with you even when you don't feel like he's near you. The Lord is always with you. That's his promise. He is with you. We can see also from this particular verse relating and considering what was spoken to Mary. Blessed are you. She specifically, because of her calling and the beauty that God has laid before her, is blessed among women. But blessed are you. Experienced in the blessings of God, you may may go, wow, I know the Word says that, but with my ailment, with my illness, with my relationships, with my financial duress, I don't feel blessed. Once again, it's not based on feeling. It's based on learning and knowing the perfect provision of God, the perfect ways of God, even in our lives and seasons when it seems so difficult. Now, after Mary is informed in the coming in the next few verses that she would carry the Messiah in her womb, Mary goes to visit her relative, Elizabeth, who's married to Zacharias. She's going to go about 80 to 100 miles away into the hill country of Judah. We pick that up um, in, in verse 39. Now, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now follow me with this in verse 41. It happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for though there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Elizabeth, the relative that Mary goes to visit, has in her womb... A child that we know as John the Baptist, and you notice what's happening when when Mary approached Elizabeth. It says clearly was filled with the Holy Spirit, and filled with the Holy Spirit, she spoke prophecy, knowledge, wisdom, and encouragement. Here she declares what she hadn't been told that God just made known. Now there's two things that I, I don't want to overlook, and I, I don't. I'm just not going to spend a ton of time there, but it's pretty simple. The Word of God presents to you the truth that you need to know. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. You do not read here where it says in verse 41, the babe leaped in her womb. You do not read that the product of conception was waiting its time for her eviction. This very clearly is this child in the womb. It's identified. You know, <laughs> Life begins at conception. And let's not get drawn into the, the, the academia that tries to defer and, and alter and change the reality of life. Let's recognize that the Bible says clearly that there was a child in her womb. Now this, this child, John the Baptist, she recognizes, Mary, when you come up, when you walked in here, like, whoa, I got a couple kicks. This child was leaping and was excited, and there was a beautiful spiritual thing happening even with the child in the womb. Even among the mom, and these two moms are like, whoa, what is going down? Mary spoke, or Elizabeth spoke prophecy, God's word, into a given situation. Prophecy is God telling what will happen before something happens, but it's also bringing forth his word as the word of encouragement. Jesus told his disciples in the Gospel of John, and now I have told you before it comes that when it done, does come to pass, you may believe. See, see, prophecy, God's intent when he reveals truth is that we would recognize the truth and it would help us to believe, that we could believe because he said this is what's going to happen and that it happened and then you go, it happened. And now that it happened, you realize something should happen. It's like, man, th- this is true. This This happened. And we let that permeate maybe even a, a reluctant heart and a, and a clouded mind. And when we let that truth take up its position in our lives, in our heart. That it becomes the point of reason, not feelings and emotion and other, other things. Now we move on to Luke 1, verse 46 to 55. I'd like to read that. And then I want to come back and just briefly comment on that content and then we'll walk through those particular verses. In verse 46, we have Mary's response, if you would. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. forever. Wow. Now, I want to draw a few things from this, and then we'll look into it uh, verse by verse, so to speak. Mary, her relationship with God is based on the Word of God. We know that because she's even quoting what God has said, the covenant to Abraham. She's referring to what she knows about God, and about the work of God. Mary's relationship is based on On the word of God. Her love for God was born out of her belief, not her experience. Can we agree? Her love for God was born out of, but breaks through the soil based on her belief, not her experience. Really, this is so important. This is essential. Because when we base our relationship with God on experience alone, then we soon wander, even walk away. Over the long haul, we must believe, be willing to believe that God is who He says He is. We believe God for who He is, and we view our experiences in the light of who He is. Sometimes it happens, you're familiar, that we may define our relationship with God based on His provision or His how our experience is. And when that isn't there, you know, it's a bummer. It gets difficult. If I get this inverted... In other words, if I have good experiences and I have certain things coming my way, then I put my faith, I have a greater trust in God. I, if I invert this, I reduce God to just another person in my life. And that other person needs to do certain things for me. And, and that's, that's terribly dangerous. and it, It's not where you want to go. If I have good experiences, I stay in touch with him. If experiences are disappointing or I disconnect, I wander, even walk away. Walking away because God did not do what I wanted him to do or hoped he would do. And I think most of us have had those moments where we start to wander. We vacillate. We question. What do I really believe? I've been praying about this. I know it's a need. This is a critical condition. This is a serious situation. And it seems like my prayers are... Our, like drywall is kryptonite, like it doesn't seem to leave the building. I step outside and it can't seem to get out of the atmosphere. It doesn't seem to arrive at the throne of grace because it's not happening the way I thought it should happen. We have to recognize our relationship, our belief, and faith in God must be set on who He is and what He has done. On who He is and what He has done. I don't have to raise, have you raise hands. It'd be a hundred percent if we said, you know, if I said, well, hey. As a child of God, have you faced struggles? Have you wondered about whether God hears your prayers? Have you kind of thought, Man, am I doing something wrong? This didn't happen. Maybe I should do something different. Maybe I should give. Maybe I should serve. Maybe I should, maybe I should, maybe I should. Well, I would encourage you just settle into the Word of God. Know God as who He as He is, and then let your experiences be based on that relationship. Let's go ahead and jump back to verse 46. I want to walk through it and then we'll look at four points uh, as we wrap up our time here in a little bit. So Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And it really means my soul, the depth of who I am, declares the greatness of God. He declare, She said, I declare the great, greatness of God. Now, I, I, we got to say, she has had some pretty s- sweet experiences so far. Anytime Gabe shows up with his angel garb, you know this is a big day. It's good to go bad or good to go good. Who knows? But he just shows up, and it's pretty obvious he wasn't just somebody on Halloween. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's something about that whole experience that would be like, yeah. And so she hears the, the gentle, kind voice because he's bringing hope and truth. So you know he wasn't overbearing. He, he speaks to her in a way, and he she knows this angel is a messenger from God bringing her specific encouragement and her response is my soul declares the greatness of God now let's not say it's only because of the experience she declared the greatness we know she is highly favored in other words she's a very humble woman you notice through all of this she doesn't say oh God thank you you've seen how much I do for you you see how well I followed you you know how many verses in the old testament I memorized thank you. You're rewarding me for these things. There's no association in in this text. Nothing for us to say, oh, she kind of thought she had it coming. No, actually we see humility, but she's like blown away. What, me? Why would you choose me? I'm poor. I've got no connections. I got family line, but why would you choose me? God's saying, listen, Here's what's going to happen. This is what's going to take place. This is what I'm going to do in your life. She says in verse 48, or actually 47, my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Some organizations disguised as churches present that Mary lived a sinless life, but only sinners need saviors. And she declares here, you are my God, my Savior. For you, God, have regarded the lowly state of your maidservant He understands who she is. She knows who she is. God, this is amazing to me. It's amazing. I hope as we go through this, you'll allow the Holy Spirit to, to bring forth little principles to you as well. There's nobody that God goes, you know what, I can get work done if that person will just come to my kingdom. Man, I could change the world if this person was saved, or this person, boy, that person could, I could really do things with that person. Nope. He does phenomenal work with people that are willing to agree they need him. With people that are willing to surrender to him, to realize that he is, the, he is all that they need. He is all that the life is about. And when we get to that reality, when we understand that, we can declare, you know, he, he's done great things. She said of herself, oh, you know, all generations will call me blessed. That wasn't boasting. You can see it. It's in humility. Like, man, I, I'm going to be the one. That God will bring forth the Messiah through. All, all, this is, everybody, every woman's wanted this. All the Jewish young women wanted this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the one. They will, they will say that I'm blessed, I'm favored, I, I get to be the one. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. He has done it. He has done it. He has done it. That's what she's declaring. She doesn't say, finally, the debt is cleared up. Finally, I, he's, I'm he's i recognized for my humility and my lowly state. And finally, you know, she's she's entering, entering into a really tough time, and I think she knows it. I think she understands what's what's unfolding and how, how culture is going to be. She goes on to say he has shown strength with his arm, and strength to her, and strength in the culture. He's scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. You know, there are so many people... There are so many people that in the imagination of their hearts they believe whatever they want to believe. And they promote that. I've seen a post recently that basically said that Israel right now is clearly not trying to take their native land because it can't be their native land because the Palestinians are trying to protect it and Israel is destroying it. So therefore, it's clearly not Israel's because if it's your native land, you'd protect it. And I'm like, how many years of school have you been? Uh, literally, I know this. I know it, years of, of academia. And the conclusion is so weak that the imaginations of their heart is, guess what? That happens when, you, when we embrace this this, it's, what's that word? Stupid? It really is. It's just lacking knowledge and refusing to be taught. Proverbs 12.1. When we embrace that, it's like imagination. And guess what has happened over the years? God has been right. God has been true. He has put down the mighty from their thrones. For 2,000 years, and you could go back a few thousand years before that. Nations have rose and nations have fallen. There's been this one and that one all claiming that they don't need God. All different forms saying that God isn't. And guess what? They're not, and he is. He still continues to be on the throne. He still shows himself to be faithful and strong. From generation to generation even. He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. The hungry... And you read the Beatitudes and you'll see there's this a hunger of the soul. There's this, this desire for a, a reality of life and the purpose of life and the meaning of life and the living the life we're called to live. And, and, and yet sometimes we get distracted and people will pursue the, the things of this life, the, the riches, if you would. And you see what he says here, the rich he sent away empty. It's not that he turned them away. It's just they turned away. Well, if I can have a relationship with Jesus and all this other stuff, I'm good, but I'm going to go for the stuff, if not. And he'd choose on this day whom he will serve. And many sadly walk away. Let me uh, go through those points I'd mentioned, and rather than continue through this, I want to make sure that there's there's four lessons to learn through this study that I, I want to encourage you. You know, I present these things. I go through this with you. And I think some of you have been coming. You know... I'm just setting you up. You got homework. <laughs> this, isn't the end, this isn't the end all. This is like, all right, there you go. Dig in. Some of you will dig in, and, and you'll unearth these gems and these beauties that are, that are well under the surface of the Scripture. Others will, will kind of move things aside, and oh, thank you. Right there on the surface, down just a little bit, there's these wonderful truths. The first lesson to learn, I would suggest to you, comes out of verse 51. Helpless, yet having great strength. We realize early on, I believe, if we're truthful, we really are helpless. There's so many things that we don't have the strength to change. In relationships, quite honestly, even in finances, um, almost every aspect, health, you can't change certain things. So in some degree, we're helpless, Yet you see there in verse 51 where it says he has shown strength with his arm and scattered the proud the imagination of their hearts. We have great strength. See, Mary knew who she was. And I believe she knew how people were. And ultimately, we're more helpless than we care to admit. Agree? Agree? Some of you didn't agree because that, that statement's true. We're more helpless than we want to admit. <laughs> so we don't want to admit it. And so the fact is, the more we ponder it and wonder, you know, we have no idea how the frame, how the body, how the chemistry, how all the, the flowing and the going that's going on in this thing called body and life. We have no idea when it'll change. We have no idea. Do we get 10 years, 20 more years, two weeks more, this afternoon? What do we, we don't know. We, we're, we're actually helpless. But yet we understand where our strength comes from. See, Mary showed great strength because of her God. Her strength was because of God. Nowhere does she say, this is why I know I'll make it longer. This is why I know it'll be better. Speaking of herself or any asset or inherited things she would have. Faith, hope, and love. She will need all three of these in the days and years to come. Because many of you know her story and what's going to happen and how things are going to unfold. Second point, lesson to learn if you would is out of verse 53, hungry yet satisfied. He filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. A spiritual hunger. She recognizes that she's hungry. I believe that. I believe that's why in the initial engagement with Gabriel, she's she's engaging and not just in shock. Because she's hungry, yet satisfied. We should always have a hunger Yet always be satisfied. It seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? But we should understand, like we're, we're, we're you know we're we're satiated, we're satisfied with the word of God, and hungry for more of the word of God. I'm I'm satisfied literally with what God has done in my life, but I long for more. I long to see a deeper transformation. I long to see these areas that I, that I struggle and points of weakness. I, I long to see His hand there. I'm I'm hung I'm satisfied yet hungry. We see also for the third point, humble yet having great confidence out of verse forty eight. Humble yet having great confidence. He has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. He he she has this great confidence that what no man knows, God does know. You know many of you, you know, you've been through situations and times and I think most of us, at one point or another in this journey called life, we've been accused of something that we didn't do. We have been wrong, the situation has been wrongfully assessed, or whatever it may be. Sometimes it's on the playground. Sometimes it's with a close friend. Sometimes it's much deeper than that. And there's times, and I can just tell you from my own experience, you just have to have this great confidence. God, you know, you know, you know, you know all things as they need to be known. And so she's humble. Yet having a great confidence, I want to encourage you, that principle is for all humanity, for every believer to have that awareness that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Those who deny, he he basically says, all right, well, I'll let you work out that denial. Those who are humble say, God, I I don't know what to do next, but I I, I just, here it is, here I am. Humble before God, it says that he pours... um, unmerited favor, undeserved kindness. He just kind of pours it in upon them. God resists the proud, yet gives grace to the humble. Fourth point, so we've looked at helpless, yet having great strength, hungry, yet satisfied, humble, yet having great confidence, and lastly, heartbroken, yet soft-hearted, out of verse 50. Heartbroken, yet soft-hearted. His mercy is on those who fear him. Fear there is speaking of uh, revere him, of high regard. It's not like he's unpredictable and unknown and lightning may strike someday or you know, this odd perception about the truth of God, about who God is that some people have been exposed to or taught or told or believed. God is faithful. God is one who we can fear in the sense of hold in high regard. So she says here in this particular verse, his mercy is on those who hold him in high regard. Let me just go over a couple of things in this point. The shepherds, as we know, in in, in a coming uh, story, the chronology as we will continue through, but um, the shepherds came to see Jesus right after his birth, and so Mary is there too, of course. <laughs> Joseph I don't know he might have been waiting outside we don't really know how that culture was but Mary is there and actually Joseph was there and the, the the shepherds came and all it says in Luke 2 18 and 19 and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds because the shepherds left there they're like man this is what's happening over there in the in the in the cave in the in the corner and you know there's this feeding trough that a child has been placed into a manger is in there they, they they marveled at the things the shepherds said. And then it goes on to say, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary is hearing these reports and she's experiencing this and she's holding this child and she alone knows. She alone knows this was miraculous. The conception of this child was of God himself. It, it wasn't as normal conception is. This is, is, a, is a miracle of a, a child born of a virgin. She knows that and she's pondering. Well, how's this going to unfold? What's, what's going to happen from here on out? You know, um, we're told a few days later that uh, a man named Simeon speaks prophetically in the temple area to Mary and Joseph. and says that, It says that they marvel at those things which were spoken of Jesus. Because Simeon speaks his prophecy now. Prior to his birth and continuing after the birth of Jesus, Mary will be the subject of rumors and accusations throughout her life simply because she accepted God's invitation, his calling upon her life. Let me say that again. Mary will be the subject of rumors and accusations throughout her life simply because she accepted God's invitation or his calling upon her life. Mary will lose her husband, Joseph. We're not given the details. We don't know what, how it unfolds, what happens. But he definitely is off the scene at a fairly young age um, for Mary. The hardship, hardship of, of losing a spouse, a loved one, she experienced. The greatest heartbreak will be seeing her firstborn son beaten, mocked, spit on, humiliated, and then nailed to a cross like a common criminal. Mary watched all this, and her heart broke. Yet, she sees him after the resurrection. She's there in Jerusalem in the upper room, worshiping with other believers. We're told that in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, that Mary and, and, the, and Jesus' brothers were among them. What a life. Do do you remember what happened? Where'd she fill out the form for this? She just loved God. She loved God. She had no plan for her life, so to speak, hope and aspiration. But she was obedient. She was faithful. We can see from her magnificent declaration that she knew the word of God, that she knew who God was, and that she was open for God to lead and direct her steps, to lead her life. Let's just wrap it up with verse 45. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. The word of God will be fulfilled in your life, and the encouragement is, blessed are those who believe blessed are you when God speaks to you. Maybe it's a, a verse or maybe it's just something you just, you just hold and you embrace and you know it's not from conversation or persuasion or some convincing you know, presentation. You just know in your heart of hearts, man, I just know the Lord spoke to me about this. He's mentioned this about my children. He's said this about my marriage. He's. I, 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 I'm not going to base who he is based on my experiences, but I'm just going to hold on and believe what he said to be true. So May that be our takeaway, so to speak, that we would learn to walk in this. When we have, uh, I'd like to have the worship team come up, and we're going to close out in a song of worship. I want to pray and um for your notes. If you're a note taker, reference Ephesians two verses eight to ten. Um, as well, uh, if you're a note taker, you may want to compare uh, Hannah's prayer out of Samuel. It's a very similar declaration as Mary's. But I mentioned Ephesians two, eight and ten because I'm gonna be praying along those lines and um, I believe it really capsulizes well what we've looked at today. So will you want to stand with me? We will go before the Lord in prayer. We'll continue uh, worshiping not only in the study of the word and in prayer, but also by way of music as we kind of wrap up our time here this morning. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you for your word today. A story that we are familiar with. We've heard some of the cultural references. We've heard them in the songs and the jingles. But wow, how beautiful it is to look at your word and know the truth of the Christmas story. God, I pray that we would um, have eyes to see what you're doing. That we would have uh, uh, ears to hear your word that, God, you would give us hearts softened by your presence, that you would grant to us understanding, you would give us knowledge of your love, that our will, our desire, more than anything else, would be to please you and to walk with you, God. Thank you so much. What you declare and make known is because of unmerited favor and undeserved kindness, because of grace, we have been saved through faith, not because we've done something, not of ourselves. It's a gift from you to us, and we thank you, God. This gift is not of works. We don't want to boast in any way. May we realize, God, that we are your workmanship, created by you, Jesus, created for good works, a life that expresses and verifies Lives out the love you've given us. Thank you, God. You've prepared these things beforehand. Help us, O oh God, to walk in them. We sing this song to you and rejoice in your name. Amen. Amen.